Test match. India have won the series. They're going to get back for two. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the 81 All Out podcast. This is your host Siddhartha Vaidyanathan and I'm joined by the regular crew Mahesh, Ashoka and Kartikeya. Um all of them on Twitter and I'll link all their handles. I'll also link Kartikeya's Substack and his uh, page where you can find his quick info articles. Uh thank you for joining us. We are here to discuss the second test uh, between west indies and india in port of spain and also do a bit of a series review of sorts the second test uh, ended in a draw was rained off uh, not the only test to be rained off uh, this week uh, by the way in case you you missed much of the action from england and also the pakistan sri lanka test has also been affected by rain but anyway uh, back to port of spain where uh, India were in a really good position uh, basically they needed eight more wickets to wrap up the test on the final day uh, west indies uh, were 76 for 2 chasing um, uh, 200 uh, 3 365 is what they needed and they were 76 for 2 uh, so yeah the series ends 1-0 and uh, india continue their uh, really fine record in west indies i mean india haven't lost a series in west indies since uh, 2002 uh, ever since 2006 they have gone there and they have uh, won and done and not only won i mean they have dominated west indies and they have uh, you know on a variety of pitches not just uh, on uh, pitches like dominica or port of spain that we got in the series but they've also done well across conditions over the years and this is quite uh, you know rare it's not easy it's not that uh, all teams who have gone to west indies have uh, you know managed this kind of record that india have and managed this kind of dominance that india have i mean um, england of course yet to win there since 2004 and many other teams have gone there and not had really won like india have for me the highlight of this test was uh, Mohammad Siraj is bowling. I mean, I'm glad he got the man of the match. Um, it's very, very rare for a bowler to get a man of the match. I mean, in the first test, uh, Ashwin got uh, 12 wickets, and uh, man of the the player of the match was Yashasvi Jaiswal. So, which was quite a shocker. I mean, when a when a bowler gets anything more than 10 wickets, it's uh, quite bizarre to you know give a batsman the award, even if he has scored like the 250 or 300 runs. I think. but uh, yeah so mohammad siraj was fantastic uh, not only not only because of the wickets he got but also how he was generally bowling on a day when you know hardly much was happening for the bowlers and uh, yeah india on that third day india were absolutely fabulous i mean they kept the runs down they didn't let west indies really score much i mean Paras Mamre said that West Indies were defensive but I think that was also because the bowling was so good they weren't allowed to get away and uh, Siraj was fantastic there was a spell that he bowled posty uh, that was really good where he could have got those five wickets then but he ended up wrapping it up the next morning but yeah general thoughts and uh, Mahesh Kufri Yeah so uh, one of the things that uh, I was thinking about is it's this is the kind of test that that I really like because you know especially now I don't know if it's because we have social media and every opinion people have we get to sort of see it but you know this whole commentary about test cricket being in some sort of peril every time the test match doesn't turn out to be perfect blockbuster test so this this kind of test is perfect because you know there's always this perception there's going to be like a drab draw and then all of a sudden the test opens up because the better bowling attack finds a way to sort of uh, run through the batting lineup at some stage through the test and that's enabled by the fact that the better bowling attack has exceptional control over the scoring even when they're not picking up wickets you know the like the one of the classic tests that you can think of is the adelaide 2006 for instance you know all of a sudden the test opens up on the last day and eventually uh, you know ends up in the result i was hoping it's one of those scripts that uh, that works perfectly to kind of test uh, test the patience of the so called test fans unfortunately it did end up like perfectly with a result uh, but i enjoyed the test match i mean the way india batted in the first innings you know you had to grind it out uh, yashasvi batted well rohit batted well kohli batted beautifully 
and india bowled exceptionally well in the first innings even before siraj had that sort of uh, breathtaking spell on the uh, on the uh, on the morning um, you know to have that level of control i mean between jadeja and ashwin you are not able to score more than two runs and over four extended spells you know uh, that is just mesmerizing control and then you know when the opportunity presented itself they were able to open it up and then you know like as as all good teams will do when they got the freedom to just go haywire they they went berserk rohit was lucky but you know i love the test match it's a kind of test match i really like because it tests the patience of everybody it, it teases everybody saying this is going to be a trap draw and eventually it opens up unfortunately just as it was opening up uh, the rain came uh, and played spoil sport i think it's pretty clear that there are basically just two factors that a lot of people consider when they talk about this death of test cricket and non test uh, and sort of thriving test cricket crowds and pitches that's it basically if there are crowds for a test match if the pitch for the test match is what people what is okay according to people's heads which is you know some whatever mythical uh, perfect test match they have in their heads then then basically test cricket is fine if if and the west indies uh, india series didn't work on both counts right i mean there were there were hardly any crowds and uh, the pitches perhaps did not fit in the mold of being a good test pitch and uh, yeah i mean all of us may consider it a perfectly fine test pitch i mean there have been so many test matches on these kind of wickets which have produced results and uh, eventually you may say if a match produces a result which this well could have if not for the rain then it's a good test match but i don't think people i don't think that's considered at all which is a shame right i mean no no there are two two points to make one is the fact that uh, a good test match can be you know defined in a broad range of ways i mean that's one factor but it's not like test cricket has not seen a plethora of dal matches you know it's happened always in history in fact test cricket has never been more exciting than it is now you know if you if you're talking about results if you're talking about pace of scoring if you're talking about the rate of uh, wicket taking test cricket has never been better in fact i was just uh, tweeting the other day that sri lanka has had one draw since august 2014 the test matches hosted in sri lanka has had one draw how many people who believe that somehow getting result oriented matches is better for test cricket are following cricket in sri lanka like the so called test cricket fans i am sure do not care about sri lanka playing anyone beyond the big 3 you know so this narrative is entirely flawed a flawed it's entirely self serving and is just uh, it, it is revealing insecurities of of the fans more than the cricket and uh, and even like assuming you know like you get a blockbuster sort of test you get everything right right there is crowds the pitch is fine or whatever there's always the the thing about okay this batting is not good they can't play seam you know if you get a 150 all out the modern day batsman can't play seam you know or if let's say ashwin bowls 40 overs and doesn't get enough wicket then it's like okay some other mystery bowler from the past would have run through the the, the, the yeah the he's a home ball. bully uh, i i don't know it's just like uh, I, I i don't i don't understand the level of insecurity about test cricket from the so called test cricket fans i mean if you're a cynic and you argue this case then that makes sense right but if you claim yourself to be a test cricket fan but you don't really test cricket like test cricket then what are you talking about i don't get it yeah i mean there was this uh, sky sports segment where ian ward is talking to kumar sangakara and dinesh karthik i mean which they made into put in uh, like they uploaded as a podcast also and uh, ian ward is basically saying you had this fantastic test match in headingley everyone was buzzing the ashes were alive and then uh, you switch on the tv to watch an india west indies test uh, how do you reconcile with that and and dinesh karthik is also saying yeah 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 this is the problem with test cricket the reason you know west indies infrastructure is so bad and all i'm like hello what <laughs> what the hell can't you like at least put one line in there and say that hello it's fine man they're playing fine their test match is fine no the, the the issue is i think the it's this difference between cricket and the social uh, sociological event right like a an event like like a public fair or basically like a you know mega event that you would go to in the weekend and people expect test match cricket to be that event and irrespective of how good or bad the cricket is the idea is that it's not an event as it should be and so it's dying like that way like domestic cricket everywhere in the world is already dead right like nobody like hardly anyone goes to domestic cricket 
Domestic cricket has always been dead since the advent of TV. Yeah. Before TV, everybody had to go. It was a social event, communal event. Now it is nothing. Uh, So, so yeah, anyway, so uh, just, just, uh, I mean, carrying on from what Mahesh said, I think all this is also some kind of a conflation or, you know, uh, you know, they are extending the sorrow of, first of all, I think there is this uh, new found sorrow that uh, Caribbean cricket the lovers have woken up after a long while and they are, they are now crying saying that caribbean cricket is on the on its deathbed and it's not uh, because it didn't qualify for the world cup boss it's been slowly dying since the 90s a eh? so they have carried on all that grief into this test match also caribbean cricket also west indies not qualifying for the world cup i think is a great thing because it shows that other teams like netherlands and scotland and all these other teams that played in that qualifier are just getting better and the they are coming to the level of the top teams isn't that a good thing it is good thing for them but for these caribbean cricket lovers in quotes that's why they are crying because uh, in their childhood they saw viv richards or they didn't even see viv i mean half of them i don't think are that old enough I don't know how to reconcile with all this grief. No, no, But no. Anyways. There are two kinds. There are two kinds. One is this 50 plus category that will say, this is not the West Indies of my childhood and all. Because uh, the West Indies of their childhood is basically some mythical team that is living in their imagination, which is, uh, you know, won every single match in two days. But the second category is also there, which is these younger lot who are basically, you know, pining for a time that they were never even born. because ever since <laughs> i've been watching cricket west indies have been on decline man what what is this great west indies uh, thing and all it's not yeah, the west it. indies of your childhood but it's also not the india of your childhood no what about that yeah, yeah. So which which they should be happy about you mean no no yeah. it's not the india of my childhood because other teams are weak that's like a neat little bow no like it's like uh, when when india do well it's because uh, other teams are crap when india do poorly it's because uh, India are not as good as they used to be. So, so this test match, you know, oh, th- that's one thing that uh, I mean, it was interesting. As I mean, this time I do agree with Mahesh. It was like an amazing test match uh, because this is how I I mean, eighty or ninety percent of test matches that I've seen have gone. You know, uh, basically bowling is like you know, good bowling is like problem solving, right? Like. you you solve the problem that is in front of you and you work on it till you get answers and this indian attack is like very very good uh, even though they carry two people with like relatively zero or near zero test experience which is unadkar and mukesh kumar but still they fa- i mean this uh, i mean ashwin jadeja and now siraj are you know superior class of bowlers to what west indies have in their attack which is not bad which is an attack of like 650 to 700 wickets test wickets which many countries in the world today do they have it england have it australia have it india have it other countries i am not sure whether they have it or not but but that's a very experienced you know bowling attack against that you have kohli scoring 100 you have rohit scoring 250s you have uh, jadeja scoring a 50 ashwin scoring a 50 you, the indian bowling didn't tire. they bowled 117 overs they gave nothing away ashwin jadeja bowled around 60 70 overs out of those they gave like under two runs per over if i am not wrong so so it was like brilliant brilliant to watch uh, what i really admired is you know we were all talking about transitions team in transitions this indian team nearly found a way to win in this match and against it was a pitch it was very flat there was rain almost like two and a half days three days there was rain despite all that and despite a competent west indies batting lineup these guys found a way to nearly win so so that's amazing and and that needs to be pointed out and when i had the fortune of pointing it out some people told me that this is against a ranji like team that they are you know bossing against a, like india is bossing a, against a ranji like team just not true the the response to that i recommend is that you know we richards and andy roberts and all that they used to also boss it against an ranji type indian team <laughs> but, but it's true uh, it's not true dude legendary sunil gavaskar legendary gundappa no. vishwanath how 
Yeah, I know Sunil Gavaskar opening the bowling man. What? How can that be a good team? Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's what happened in those five days. If you want to describe these five days, this has been like a very competitive test for India, and it has been you know a really it's a test of survival for West Indies. They would be really happy that this ended in a draw because if India had another sixty seventy overs, I mean it would have been like very bad for the West Indies. West Indies uh, might have lost on the final day but I think it was also a great chance for them to you know bat through it and uh, save it and I think in a way I mean as much as uh, you know they might be relieved with the draw but I think they would also feel a bit of uh, disappointment that they didn't get a chance to actually bat through that time and uh, you know put forth that uh, you know they're not as uh, weak as it was made out to be in the first test with a three day defeat I mean they they're actually a good I mean, a good lineup, and I think if they, they were never a bad attack. team. I mean, that weaker team. They were never that weaker team, even yeah, yeah. We, before we know the that, series. But yeah, I'm saying yeah. for them, for themselves, and for their, you know, just I would think they would have liked to play on that final day. And if it meant, uh, you know, being uh, seven down or eight down and drawing the match, I think that would have been a huge uh, sort of uh, victory for them, uh, for them to take forward. I mean, even though they lost the series. Yeah. but one thing though so i don't know the internal politics that happens between the islands and the cricket management but they could have at least known that i mean they know that in before the series that india will not have bumrah and probably are resting shami so they could have actually kept the matches in the venues where you know they had the advantage of pace also right so the first test was a mistake complete mistake they didn't have and unfortunately Cornwall also got injured, so they could have. Yeah, I mean, I think in, yeah. The last time India played a test in Barbados was probably in 2002. I mean, in my memory, I, I'm I probably am missing something in between. But yeah, India rarely go to Barbados and play, which is traditionally a good venue for fast bowling. And uh, India don't go to like, <clears throat> yeah, they haven't. Maybe it's like their rotation policy and all. They have to also keep up. And plus, who knows about the other politics? But yeah, Karthikeya. No, see, look. Firstly, there are two teams which play, no, in every cricket match. So, doesn't make sense to say that one is good or one is bad. West Indies are what the eighth, ninth best Test team in the world right now. Eighth, let's say. Yeah, I think overall they are a bit better than Bangladesh. Uh, though in Asia, I think Bangladesh are probably better. Uh, and india are the first second best team in the world right now so this series is like yeah first and second playing eighth or ninth that there's always if you have nine eight or nine test teams you're always going to have that series some at some point no and i mean look india have been sixth or seventh before india have been the mid table side before and they've gone to west indies when they were weak Like after Ambrose retired, after Walsh retired in April 2001, West Indies basically had nobody, like no bowling, no nothing. And India went there and they lost. No, even in 2006, India barely won one Test match. You know that too was on a absolute minefield in Jamaica. Thanks to like two innings by Rahul Dravid, which could have frankly ended at any point, and India could have ended up losing that also. So. This is not a. I mean, part part of the point of doing this kind of podcast is to sort of try and put some perspective on what what the picture is of testing. And there's always going to be teams like that. No, everybody cannot be first and second rank in the world. Everybody cannot be equal. No, I mean you. Uh, and there's all this sort of tint, rose tinted nostalgia about back in the day. I mean, there are people who are saying. Things like you know Andy Roberts is the best fast bowler in the world in 1974 when he came to India. Like he was literally in his he played one Test match before he came to India in 1974. Now take like the take the best fast bowler you can think of today. Like you know the absolute you know the most thunderous fast bowling debut in recent times. Say you know Archer for example in like 2019. Like. If you said that Archer is the best fast bowler in the world in 2019, that's not plausible, no. He was not even the best fast bowler in the in the England team in Britain in his first or second. But 
you know, nostalgia does dumb things to you, you know, you sort of the past always appears like, you know, I don't know how to describe it. It appears sort of, you know, whitewashed. Uh, and so this West Indies polling, for instance, you know, our holder, uh, Gabriel, uh, Roach, and Joseph, you know, Joseph is a really wonderful bowler. I mean, and, I mean one of the sad things about uh, this tour, which you touched on, is that the so West Indies have got like a variety of pitches. Like they've got fast bowlers pitches and they've got spinners pitches. And like traditionally when the tours used to happen in like April or May, like then they used to play in like Savannah Park and Barbados and, uh, and uh, places like that where you know, the pitches were quick. There are other places like Trinidad and all where the pitches are not so quick, you know, traditionally. And so we get to play there. But nowadays it doesn't make any difference also, no? Because I mean, even on fast bowling, India have better fast bowlers than the West Indies now, which is not to say that West Indies have bad fast bowlers, to say that India have really good fast bowlers. So, and I think West Indies are also like, West Indies no longer sending their batsmen, especially to England, to play county cricket. I mean, there all these Gordon Greenwich and Viv Richards and uh, you know uh, who else, uh, Richie Richardson and all these people and Lara, of course. They they all went and played county cricket as professionals and sort of developed their defensive technique over there. They they got a lot of experience over there, and you know in the seventies, eighties. Both Pakistan and West Indies sent a lot of players there and benefited from it. Actually, ironically, benefited far more than England actually benefited from it because you know, they used to put out better teams than England in the 70s and 80s. But that stopped now. So that that I mean, for instance, I think Gordon Greenwich played for West Indies before he played for Barbados. Uh, like he played a test match for West Indies before he played a first-class match for Barbados. So, you know, that you that's not possible now. No? I mean, all these current West Indies players are all playing in their uh, whatever it's called now, uh, shield, uh, shield tournament. So, but that's... That, that's that's just history, you know, that, that's, that's going to keep happening, you know, they'll be going through bad times and good times and if they survive, they'll have good times again where they'll win. You know, it's not as if and it, it, I don't think it's I don't think it's right to belittle a game, no? If just because India are winning it, you know, or to belittle the opposition because India are winning. India are good. You know, I mean, the current Indian openers, for example, I mean, this is something that strikes me every time you watch India play now. Just like, you know, and this is again a, a matter of fact, you know, it's a matter of historical record that, you know, in the 20th century, if you had an Indian batsman starting to play test cricket, and this is something that came up last time we talked about, is that if they would be lucky if they faced like an hour of fast bowling in a, in a day in 2012. You know, so they're just when the by the time they become like test top order players, they've just not faced enough fast bowling. It's not a question of being good or bad against them. They just don't have experience, so they've never seen it before. But you compare that with Jaiswal and Rohit Sharma and all, and these guys have played so much fast bowling in their life. So by by the time they start opening the batting for India in a test match, you know, so it's not that unfamiliar, no. And this sort of Part of the nostalgia is also because like way back when foreign players used to be really, really foreign, no? Now, now they're not. Now everybody plays in the IPL, everybody is, sees everybody on cable all the time. So it's a, they're not so strange anymore. There's a sort of a, I think part of sort of following a team which is doing well is sort of learning to have some perspective about the, the game and the state of the game and the state of other teams. And, you know, who's up, who's down, it's part of, you know, there, are, there will be periods when India lose again. You know, I mean, I know Ashoka was saying that, you know, even with these fast bowlers, India are good. But 
yeah, I mean, Ashwin and Jadeja are not going to be there forever. And, you know, you're not going to grow like a bowler like Bumra or Shami on a tree. You know? I mean, it's just, there will be times where winning test matches will become very difficult for India. It won't be as easy as it has been decent. So, I mean, they're good. They're really good. I mean, the average ball which India play now is played at a far higher level. They don't bat and ball than it was at any time in the 20th century. Or any time in the 21st, for that matter, before, say, about 2014. 2015. So, I mean, I think they, one of the sort of the things was, I thought, was odd about the second test was West Indies bowling first after winning the toss. I mean, I think they sort of wanted to... I, and I think it worked for them because I think they, they set out to basically get some points from this game. Points as in World Test Championship points. Yeah. To, to collect okay. some points and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it, so, got it. And, no, and, no, to not, and to not lose. I mean, I think, you know, yeah, you have to try and win. But I think you also have to try not to lose. No? I mean, it's, it's perfectly honorable to to compete. It will not let the other side win. You know, why? They're not there to just make up the numbers. No? So I thought the way they batted in the first innings, for example. Okay, Siraj got some, like... Wonderful movement with the second new ball. And then he was able to move the ball both ways. You know, in swing, out swing, leg cutter, off cutter, everything. And it was too good for the lower of West Indies second half of the West Indies battle. That's okay. So, I mean, if they lost their last five wickets for 26 runs or something like that. That will happen. But they did a lot in those, on the, what was it, the third day? When they, yeah. when they, I mean, from Brathwaite and... Uh, Athenes and all those people. They do well. Yeah, I mean, uh, two points. One is, uh, I just checked the record and figured India had played a test in Barbados in 2011 on that tour. So, that was the match that Ishant got 10 wickets and it was a really good, uh, you know, match for fast bowling. Uh, Fidel Edwards, Ravi Ram Paul, all of them played and got wickets. So, that is one. So, yeah, they basically, they after 2002, they played in 2011 and then they didn't play. The other thing about domestic wait, cricket wait, is... Wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. Now that you mention it, I want to bring this up because one of the features of watching cricket in the West Indies is that you can actually hear what people are saying in the in the audience. And I yeah. have this distinct memory of uh, there being this one spectator in the stands who's like for 45 minutes, he's standing next to the TV camera guy and he's screaming at Edwards to... Take off the handbrake, Fiddy. Take off the handbrake. Ah. You know? And it's like, at, at the end of the commentary, I remember Bishop was in commentary and he was really, really annoyed at this. So it's like, just keep quiet. You made your point. Just keep quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was the, the, I remember that uh, people used to, from the stands, used to coach the team. And uh, that was quite fun, actually, to... Uh, listen to. In fact, the thing, the the relationship between the crowds and the West Indian cricketers is quite um, charming and quite amazing. I remember a time when in 2006, uh, there was a game and uh, Ramnare Sarwan used to play for West Indies then and he, uh, you know, got out to a pretty poor shot. And then after the game, he's like, you know, generally the players are just walking around and all and the crowd, many people from the crowd are on the field. And there was this slightly older gentleman who went and like he actually like completely chastised Tarwan for playing that shot. And, you know, my immediate uh, thought was that, okay, what, what, why would Sarwan even take such nonsense? But Sarwan, perhaps he knew that uh, person before or perhaps uh, for whatever reason, he was like genuinely listening to him and he was trying to explain to him why he played that shot and he was talking about the, you know, what led up, led him to play that shot and all. And I found that very interesting, you know, to have, a sort of a conversation between a fan and a player at that level was quite interesting. Anyway, the other thing I was talk- thinking about when you mentioned the domestic cricket angle is that I just saw a video uh, today, in fact, on Cricket Info, where Deep Das Gupta was uh, suggesting that West Indies players should play uh, domestic cricket in India. You know, it, uh, why not uh, either open up the Ranji Trophy for like a you know, few players from overseas and players from West Indies and other countries can actually come and be like overseas professionals. Yes, it will mean that you're depriving your an Indian player of that one slot, but it could also be like such a huge 
experience for a you know cricketer from west indies coming and playing a season of ranji in india i mean they will get to experience a variety of conditions good all my ideas are getting stolen all my ideas are oh, okay that's stolen. your idea okay okay yes. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so this is this is my time to say i told it that time only Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Ashoka so, and all, are, he has like an archive of a podcast, so he could probably like pull up like exactly when he said it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even when, even though he must have cut, might have cut it himself, but he has it. Director's cut. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, just like in IPL, people come and uh, from different countries and play. Yeah, why not? Uh, why not open up uh, the Ranji Ranji too? I mean, uh, that will only be beneficial, right, for both uh, both the Ranji teams as well as uh, players from abroad. Yeah. Because what Lonso- what Ranji team would not like to have Alzari Joseph? Man, they probably win the Ranji Trophy if he comes and plays for his sister. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, he'll probably <laughs> be the best best bowler of, of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking, even in this West Indies team, can't Shea Hope make a comeback? I know, you know, like we were talking about uh, Zach Crawley earlier. Like the record between Zach Crawley and Shea Hope is not too different. Um, and and if anything, you know, England is a better team than West Indies. So I was hoping he'll come back, but it looks like the door is shut. So Shea Hope is what a one-day specialist now, because I don't think he plays that much T20 also. Yeah, he's uh, he's a one-day specialist. Yes, that's what it is. It is oh, okay, okay. So in the dying, the dyingest format, he is the dyingest batsman. I think. Okay, okay. Very good, very good. Stat. Yeah. Or as Ashoka is. says, he stat pad in one day. Yeah. <laughs> he averages like fifty or something in one day, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a he's a very good one day batsman. Yeah. Part of the point is that the test match is happening now. You you have to watch it where it is and how it is. No, I mean you cannot say that. You cannot go in and watch a test match with say, "Ki are I have this expectation. I want this. I want that. If I was playing, I would do this. I would do that. I can't do that. No, I mean that's you'll always be only disappointed if you do that. So it's better to try watch it and try to describe what's going on. Even the description, right? Like there is a lot actually to talk about West Indies cricket from the last ten years itself. I mean, but the problem is that people go back suddenly to you know West Indies cricket in the eighties and forget that. In the last ten years itself, the whole thing of West Indies, you know, there was a time in which they really spruced up their pitches. They uh, went with the, they were using you know the, the decision to use the Duke's ball in uh, West Indies domestic and West Indies cricket. Uh, spruce up their pitches. Then there was a series in England which they actually which they won so impressively. And then, if you compare that to that Sri Lanka series, where Sri Lanka and West Indies had a drawn series again, like f- like sort of really spicy pitches for that test, especially Barbados. Uh, I think they played a day-night test there that is extremely spicy. That was an exceptional test, yeah. Yeah, and then which Sri Lanka won, right? In the end, those why yeah they chased down a score and they win. The series yeah. was drawn one all. Yeah. So fantastic series. So there is a lot of immediate context itself to discuss. This series through, like if you have followed West Indies cricket for like five six years, there is a lot to discuss. But the discourse never goes there. In almost like even the niche uh, the sort of uh, podcasts and uh, uh, niche the journalists who should be knowing this, they themselves don't uh, talk about this. So that's the disappointing part because then yeah. if then what then you're not discussing anything. No, like how can you compare? Like suddenly go back to 80s and say this is how West Indies was. This is how they were. That's it. That that's it. Gone. Terrible. Yeah, I was watching watching Kimar Roach. Actually, this is very nice because the West Indies Test match also, na it it most of the match happens at a very nice time in India. So it's it's quite nice. So the I was watching like Kimar Roach and uh, like this. Uh, Yashasvi Jaiswal, he had he had Yashasvi Jaiswal basically in a corner, you know. He had that uh, a ring on the offside, and like Jaiswal was basically stuck. And like three or four times, like Jaiswal got an edge, and like uh, once the slip uh, stopped it, and another time it went through for four or third time. And, and I was watching that, and like, the score was like some crazy, like over hundred for one or something like that, a hundred for no loss, and. I just could not get the whole sort of image of Jawagal Srinath out of my head. It's like India getting hammered and like Srinath bowling and getting edges and nothing going to hand and like the score mounting. Like this was like this is the Test cricket of my school days. Like especially overseas Test cricket of my school days. 
So I watched Kimar Roach and I felt really sort of a lot of sympathy for him. He's a terrific bowler. Poor guy. He's like, you know, he's bowling into a whirlwind. When, I mean, there's, there's like, when his batsmen play, you know, they're sort of strangled by Ashwin and Chadecha. And then when he's, and then this Siraj comes and gets some late movement and then takes five wickets in no time. You know, and like they, the India bowling where you know they can bowl 120 high quality overs. Like he's bowling into these batsmen. I'm like, what? What is going on? Some 21 year old is coming and hitting edges. Even even in the first innings when uh, Kohli was just getting started, he could have. I mean, Roach could have gotten him easily twice or thrice. It was that that millimeter close to the edge. I mean, the first 20 balls that Kohli faced, the balls he faced against Roach, he could have easily gone out. And yeah. he didn't. And then and then Kohli played, you know, a superb under. Really? That's it. Yeah, yeah, no chances afterwards. I think he had like 94% control by the time he got to his 100 or something. So basically, there's no seam movement there on this thing. So, it's a very, very true wicket. Very nice to bat on. So I, re- I really, I don't know. I mean, I suppose it's a, it's a good defensive ploy to put the opposition in because it takes time out of the game. Uh, like it's basically West Indies did the opposite of what England did at uh, at Old Trafford. You know, which is that you know England had to take twenty wickets, so they put in, put Australia in on a flat pitch. You know, to sort of try and do whatever they could like, to start taking wickets as early as possible in the match. So, West Indies did the opposite and it worked. But, I don't know. I think if they had batted first, West Indies could have scored a, a few more runs because I think the ball wouldn't have turned so much on the first day. So, Ashwin and Jadeja might have been easier to play. Or, if like Kohli would have been out, I think if India scored 280 instead of 430, then this would have been a very interesting match. I know you'll get mad at me for saying this, but if Kohli had got out, Rani would probably have renewed runs. Because he knew that that's when the team needed it. Ah, no, no. He already Rahane, came. Rahane have. Hey, it's he a came very India-like them. pitch, man. Rahane does not perform on those kind of pitches. He needs... Uh, oh, he, he needs, needs tough situation and tough... Alien pitch. conditions. Alien <laughs> conditions. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> So, so no, no, but uh, I think the other thing that they were probably no, sorry, talking about you know, Rahane, I felt I felt really sorry for Pujara of all series to miss out. He missed out on this series. He could have probably notched up two hundreds, and uh, it's quite unfortunate. I think I mean this whole sort of uh, looking through the prism of of expecting something, right? Like uh, you know, we did extensive sort of number crunching on this. That this generation of cricketers in in, in general, and particularly uh, Pujara and uh, Rahani to some extent, have basically played on very different kind of wickets compared to their predecessors. So the 43, 45, 40, 38 averages that you see here are not comparable to, let's say, the previous era. So to in many ways, I think Pujara got like a got hard done by the fact that. Uh, the, the benchmarks we still use for batsmen are are from a different era. Of course, we were lucky enough to get like ah. some, someone like Kohli, for instance, who who was able to average 50 even in an era like this. But you take Kohli out, and Rohit had, has had a second coming, and, and he's been exceptional since that. But it's, it's not easy to average 50 in this era. To average more than 40 like the way Pujara did is actually an exceptional achievement. And, and I feel like his career, I mean, I, I didn't mention this in the last uh, podcast as well, but I feel like that, uh, that his career has been unfairly cut short if if this is the end of it. No, I mean, he would have still played. I think the way he got out, that ramp shot killed any little sympathy anybody had. The guy, of all the shots he had to play, he played a ramp shot. And then that's, that angered people even more. Seeing Pujara play... A, but I, I don't think selectors uh, play think do that stuff. No, I mean they would. Yeah. They don't take decisions based on one shot and all that. I do. I am not sure. Didn't you see Ashoka? Ashwin played an effortless ram shot in that. Yes, in yes, the, yes. Magnificent shot it was. This whole perception of you know uh, Dravid got to play 
uh, Murli and Vaughn and higher quality of, uh, you know, spin. Uh, but uh, now we know how good Nathan Lyon is. You know, when, when Pujara was playing against Nathan Lyon in, say, 2017, we, uh, the, the thing is, we, uh, a lot of people didn't yet know how good Nathan Lyon was. But now that you know how good Nathan Lyon is, at least we should retrospectively at least credit Pujara for that, right? Oh, <laughs> like the, the phenomenal series in 2017 and 2018 yeah. too, yeah. And, uh, and both India and in Australia. I mean, Nathan Lyon is a far more potent threat against India than Shane Warne ever, ever was. I mean, of course, he was yeah, a much he's better a finger bowler spinner. Overall. He's a yeah. finger spinner. In India, that's far more, that's extremely effective. But Post DRS. Yeah. yeah, but that's, that's not the point. That's... That's not the point. No, it's that it's that this quality of spin Dravid faced was not better than the quality of spin Pujara faced. He didn't face Shane Vaughan every day. He didn't face Murli Dharan every day either. The average spinner in the 2000s was not as good as that. Uh, not not much better than the average spinner today. And the average spinner today has got TRS. Okay. You want to see what happened with uh, when uh, for India's batsman against TRS. You know, look at what happened for, to India in Sri Lanka in 2008. You know, not just that all of them were troubled by Mendes and Murray, but look at the number of times India reviewed decisions and had failed reviews. And look at the number of times Sri Lanka reviewed decisions and had successful reviews. I looked at this once, I forget the figures, but it's, a, it's remarkable. It was like the... Their assumptions of, of playing spin bowling were only different, you know. So, those assumptions would not work now. I mean, this is a point actually really well made by what's his name, Atherton, when England were in India last. Like, I remember he wrote this one column, uh, I think. He yeah, about the, DRS, yeah. For the Times, and he was yeah. like, he was saying that, you know, all your, all your pre-DRS wisdom of playing spin no longer applies in the age of TRS. These guys have had to work it out like in real time and they have, you know. And these are not these are not bad players. These are really, really top, top, top players. And they're, they're, and but they're good players, they're good enough players, they're making enough runs. But that's not really why India are winning. No? I mean they're winning because they are bowling. And I don't know. I, at the risk of repeating myself, that's not always going to be the case. So enjoy it while it lasts. Is what I think. If you're yeah, I mean, man. are you saying with all the money in the world, we can't keep creating these bowling machines? Is that what you're saying? We are not going to win ICC titles, even if we clone a Dhoni. ICC titles anyway, we didn't win, even with the <laughs> with the whatever we. Had. I know that's what I'm saying. And then he's saying, be prepared for worse. What? India. I think be prepared for Kaverappa. Kaverappa is coming. Vidwat Kaverappa. Uh, Saini. Saini was also there. I was uh, interesting that Mukesh made it ahead of Saini. Saini is in the squad, right? I mean, he was in the squad for West Indies. Yeah, so, he is, I think, in the squad. Yeah, so I saw him. I saw him, in fact, uh, carrying drinks to the players. So, it, and given that he has already played tests, he played like the GABA test. So it was good. Mukesh got in, but yeah, I mean, I'm saying India goes to South Africa and Australia, not in not too distant future. And uh, with this attack, they'll they, it, it's going to be hard in both those countries. Uh, with winning with this exact that Gabba test, winning that Gabba test is going to be like a real, like you know, millstone around all these people. None of them are going to have like long test careers. Like first of all, Natrajan, I don't think Natarajan will probably never play a test again. Yeah. Saini may or may not play a test again. Washington Sundar may or may not play a test again. Saini <laughs> might because you know, given uh, that that Shardul shouldn't have played a test again. Oh come on! Hey, come on, man! <laughs> what is this blasphemy? Yeah, what is this? He. But uh, Shardul is like uh, linchpin in the transition. Sentiments, man. You're offending sentiments now. Yeah. So no, I'm saying uh, the the Gabba test that that uh, whole team will n- never play a test match again, right? That that is sure. So that was the last time. That is the first and last time they the eleven played together. Yeah. 
poor fellows no next time anyways uh, this there is news of pumra getting well there is news of prasid krishna getting well so and shami is still around yeah shami is still around so if we are lucky what do you mean prasid krishna getting well as if he is some regular he is hardly played <laughs> dude the future india bowling lineup is going to read vidwat kaverappa prasid krishna vijay kumar vishak vishay kumar vishak so this is the karnataka lineup waiting in the That's, wings yeah okay. i know this we is, had that this 1997. is the this is the abhimanyu <laughs> mithun this is the abhimanyu mithun srina taravin who's the other one vinay kumar vinay kumar forget that Richard. this is the srinath prasad doddaganesh david, david johnson era back yeah. again yeah yeah they should have just had one at least one test they should have had in which you know india's lineup had srinath prasad doda ganesh david johnson sunil joshi and anil kumble that no no yeah. so i don't know <laughs> if you guys saw and this and then with rahul dravid on top and uh, sujit uh, somsundar don't forget and maybe sujit somsundar opening the batting vijay bharatwaj you know, just for fun vijay bharatwaj also Yeah, 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 yeah. You have only a keeper. A keeper. Who's a keeper from Karnataka? Sayyid Ali Khan. Tilak Nadu. Tilak Nadu. The budget such is. Okay. Anyway, so uh, back to the test. One of the things I want, you know, which we had discussed uh, after the first test also and before too, after the World Test Championship was about the transition, right? And so, <clears throat> was curious to find out about how. Uh, Mukesh Kumar does in this test, and Unadkat how Unadkat bowls in this test and all that, and and it's it's interesting how we've like I've got having got used to watching this era of uh, Indian fast bowling, which is perhaps the best, which is definitely the best Indian fast bowling that there's ever been. Ishant, Shami, Umesh, Mumra, and all that, uh, and then to have uh, someone like Mukesh come in, it's sort of Re, uh, you have to recalibrate right again it's the same thing like it's expectations versus reality and initially when you see mukesh is i was like oh this i mean he seems like this ranji uh, this uh, this bowler that every like uh, you would see in like you know ranji teams like every ranji team would have this really steady bowler who comes in who you know hits that same pace uh, sort of a similar pace and uh, you know mixes it around doesn't really hurry the batsman too much Uh, compared to say what uh, uh, Siraj can do because he can push it up to the late 130s, 140s even, and uh, what uh, definitely Shami can do. But uh, but then after that, the more you sort of sort of he sort of grew on me when I'm watching him. And by the second innings, I mean he himself also has to get used to the rhythm of the game, the rhythm of the conditions, the opposition, everything, right? So by the second innings, and I was talking about that uh, fourth evening. uh not fourth evening uh, yeah fourth evening when uh, you know uh, india had declared that they were trying to bowl west indies out he was he was in hitting a really nice spell like there was this period of 3 4 overs when he was getting a really good rhythm uh the pace was around like the early 130s occasionally mid 130s got 135 136 but the way he was mixing up his length he was bowling to chandapal getting it full at times getting it slightly short of a length at times Uh, you know trying to hurry him make, making sure because chandapal also has this tendency of moving across the stumps right so there is always a candidate for that lbw at least he seems to be a candidate for that lbw so trying to you know get that ball to slightly move in i i liked watching him bowl and it, it sort of tells you that how easy it is to um, sort of create this uh, assessment of a bowler and uh, but how important it is to keep watching every ball and every spell he bowls because you can actually see that there are several layers to it so yeah what do you make yeah. of mukesh and um, uh, before before that and uh, uh, i mean during before the series and during the series i i think even shrikant uh, in his youtube channel uh, was uh, was 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 arguing for the inclusion of umran malik and in the squad purely because he had the pace and what not so my my whole thing is with mukesh and unadkar they may not have the pace i think they are distinctly 6 or 7 kilometers slower than siraj but they have very very good control they they are not you know your typical debutant so they are they have done really well in ranji especially unadkar 
So even though they are down on pace, they offer control, which is, you know, which at least to my to me is a better weapon than pace. Pace, of course, uh, we see what Mark Wood has done in the Ashes, but even Mark Wood has very good control. I mean, if you bowl 150 to the pads of Steve Smith, he's going to whack you all day. Uh, so, so control is a is a better, I mean, uh, prism through which we can view these two bowlers. And in the, on that front, I think Mukesh is very good. I mean, uh, considering that he's on his debut, and Onatkar is just his third Test match, I think third or fourth. So he's 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 also very good. and these guys have earned their stripes in in domestic uh, cricket and they have earned their place in the 11 so i, I was happy that they did well i mean unatka didn't get a wicket but he was very attacking i think in the in the first innings uh, especially to athanas he was very attacking and uh, he could have actually got wickets because uh, he was bowling he was bringing the ball in uh making athanas flick to the mid wicket and they had a short mid wicket so couple of balls went to left or right of kohli there he could have had him easily so in the, i mean these these are not you know uh, disappointing finds as they are made out to be and umran malik i do agree he is very quick but i don't think he has the control yet he has not played first class much uh, i would really want him ideally to play at least 25 30 games before before we we even evaluate him as a test option maybe for t20s odis i don't have a problem no and i think the health of the ranji system is uh, one of the factors is definitely like how these bowlers come into test cricket and uh, look pretty good i mean you know it's like siraj of course is uh, a standout example here yeah? like ever since he's played he debuted and he came in he's been like it's almost like you know he's he's taken to test cricket like fish to water i mean he's 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 there he's definitely up there there's not been really a time where he's had to adjust but even unatkat and mukesh were so young in their careers and fine you're playing west indies which is not one of the best teams in the world but it's still a test team and there these are still you know good batters you're bowling to but the sort of the there they seem set you know they seem to know what to do there's there's a clear there's obviously clear planning but there's also like very good execution that's happening i mean you it's not easy to do what they are doing and uh, i'm i was really impressed yeah yeah chandapal has a double hundred against zimbabwe on on one such flat wicket so if your bowling is not up there he will he will spile on runs you to keep him quiet and to keep a batsman of uh, brathwaite's caliber quiet requires skill on on this condition and and these are skillful bowlers and that's the point so uh, i mean watching mukesh you know gave me like two very different perspectives one is is the thing that kitty has been pointing out uh, for the last few minutes that uh, that you know we're going to have a bowling attack which is not as penetrative as this and uh, you know with all due respect he's not in the same league as shami or bumrah or siraj right at at this stage at least there is one factor to consider the second one is that you know uh, both unitkar and him had exceptional control as, as uh, ashoka pointed out uh this is something that uh, you know uh, i happened to coincidentally sit next to msk prasad in uh, in gol once uh, when uh, you know shikhar dhawan made that like blistering 180 or something on day one right uh, that was uh, hardik pandya's debut test prasad was sitting uh, next to us in the in the box i mean it's a long story on how we landed ourselves there but as shiva my f- our friend atlas danced on twitter and i was sitting there and uh, msk prasad mentioned this uh, this point that uh, you know a lot of us who played in the 90s uh, would love to play for a team like this you know when you play for a team which is so strong it is much easier for you to sort of hit the ground running it's much easier for you to sort of be uh, you know not have the nervousness that you have not you you can express yourself a lot more confidently and so on and he believes that all of these players who come through the system now benefit from the fact that they play for a strong team and that clearly shows in the way mukesh bolt for instance one he had control and when even when he had control he was able to try those million dollar balls i mean the ball that he bolt to atnas was the 
was literally him trying to bowl like pretty much the perfect ball possible right uh, for his pace and he tried that quite a few times in fact a couple of times he bowled some really wide ones as well in the process of trying to bowl the million dollar ball but you know he has a control but he also has a confidence to sort of uh, go for their extravagant ball every now and then in fact if you look at all the recent debutants uh, i mean i'm not saying this as an insult or something but shardul is perhaps the exception that he still tries to bowl that full ball to to sort of get get lbw and bowled be, 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 bowl be very careful what you're saying by the way uh, yeah, continue he's only the <laughs> only bowler who doesn't focus on control you know he he still has got the temptation to to bowl the sucker ball way too frequently for for a test class bowler uh but every other indian debutant bowler who's come through the system recently whether they have pace or not whether they are penetrative enough or not uh the basic sense of control and the basic sense of what is good test match bowling uh, it's evident even from the first test itself i mean it it is a reflection of the strength of the ranji system it's a reflection of the fact that they play for a strong team but it's also an, a very good reflection of the support staff that we have that they are able to impart these basic sort of discipline uh, pretty much from the get go when they start their test career that is the one problem this team has or will have they don't have the seam bowling all rounder options outside of ardik and uh, you know uh, uh, this guy someone will come and say rajwardhan hunger geker and all but anyways that that is a thing for the future not now so yeah it's actually australia that way it's quite envious to see them have green and now and michel marsh and playing both of them together come on man this is unfair what is this you can't have two such cricketers in your test team i mean uh, india would love to have even one of that level and shardul is the closest they have and they play him whenever they but to can. be to be fair australia doesn't need to and the the fact that they had two actually complicated the situation for them and they ended up yeah, with a suboptimal but, selection yeah but this is like nathan line is not there you know so their balance is all wonky anyways coming to our bowlers you no know, this is all india a alums now like you know navdeep saini has played 15 india a matches since 2018 mohammad siraj has played 14 uh mukesh kumar has played 5 years only started playing for india a since uh 2022 you know uh all of them are like india a alums so you know and and uh, umran malik is not as far fetched as uh, as as we seem to think or we would like to think because he has also been picked for india a. i mean that it, it, there is no doubt that the selectors really value pace you know i mean that this is why varun aron was picked and this is why all these bowlers are picked no munaf so, patel at you munaf patel is different class man <laughs> munaf patel yeah. no, classy seam bowler he had pace and control my goodness deadly combination oh god yes. after rahane oh, next oh. is uh, you know i should not mention few people on this podcast rahane munaf patel and all that's it then it will go into rabbit holes uh, that will never end Mm-hmm. Munaf Patel was a class bowler. But Varun, Varun, I remember he 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 was the one who bounced toward broad, no? Yes. He was. Yeah, he hit him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kankas, poor fellow. No, no. He didn't hang just on, bounce him. He hit him. Some some pronunciation guide here. Varun Arun. <laughs> That is Ganguly, right? Varun Arun. Ganguly. <laughs> Shaker, Shaker, Dhawan. Oh God. Shaker, Varun Arun. Shaker, Dhawan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I am running But, out of. Uh, time so let us wrap up this podcast uh, soon uh, kartika no, you can finish your point yeah the the problem with umran malik is that he has played india a and uh, like he's been hammered like he played against new zealand a and like i mean his india a record is what 2 for 220 at four and a half in over you know this is a i mean he has a i mean okay it's one thing to like bowl in the ipl or say in some t20 which which is like Two what two over spells where everybody is trying to smash you. Uh, that's 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 not that's not test bowling, no. Uh, but I mean uh, about these bowlers and this debut, no. I mean, this is a not a good. I mean, this was a really flat pitch, you know. This was not a pitch for fast bowling. Uh, this was a batting pitch. You know, this was like this pitch actually reminded me of like you know if you read like all these old books, no. like tony cozier's 50 years of west indies cricket or one of those old books and and i think that's the you get these descriptions of pitches in those books like 
the pitches used to be hard, fast, you know, and, you know, even pasted through, you know, like there's no, no sense of, you know, seam movement or anything like that. You know, this is like, just like, you know, playing on concrete, basically. You know, yeah, but isn't, that, like, isn't that a good, uh, actually, test for a bowler like this, rather than, you know, having a spicy pitch? Isn't it good no. to actually test a bowler out here too? Yeah, but they're not going to play on that kind of pitch and test cricket that often. No, I mean, in England they go, they'll okay. Actually, now in, in baseball era, England <laughs> now they make flat pitches. Yeah. Now they're preparing roads. In India, they're not going to prepare that kind of pitch anymore. You know, because that kind of pitch also breaks. No, I mean it cracks after then late in the match. So it and and if it doesn't crack, it's like a road forever. Like. You know, so it's like one of those 600 plays, 700 pitches. But the other thing is that in the first innings, especially, West Indies were not really going after the bowling and they were batting for time. So Mukesh and Unadkat and all these players, they, they got to bowl like without getting hassled. I mean, the best and all will go after them if they, if they ever play against them. You know, like, like even like even if they play Ranji Trophy against one of these India players, like they'll go after. Cheteshwar Pujara will hammer these bowlers. You know, I mean, at least he'll go after them for sure. You know, I mean, they're still they're good bowlers. You know, so I mean, it's yeah. okay. I I don't I didn't I don't I don't I don't know. You know, I, there's a reason they were there. You know, there's a reason that they've been in the India A side for so long, and they've been. They're being earmarked as the sort of the the next next level, next generation. So, some of uh, if the India A stuff, I, I'm I'm curious to who they where India A are playing next and who they're going to play. I mean, the last they played was 22-23 season. New Zealand came to India. Uh, that that was also one of those shadow. What is it called shadow shadow series? Shadow tours. Like, yeah. Yeah. So the the England Lions or whatever they are called, the their version of in, England, England A, yeah. they should be coming after the World Cup because England are coming, no, in early twenty twenty four. No, India are going to South Africa in uh, late uh, twenty, like for the Boxing Day yeah. time. Oh, after the World Cup. So after India A should Cup. be going there, no? Ideally. Uh, yeah, but course, when will they go now? That's the problem, no? Because the uh, World Cup is going on in. in I mean, okay, actually, there must Why? be... There. World Cup ends in... Uh, World Cup ends, man. Uh, by November, uh, World Cup is over. So, yeah, they should so, go in uh, early early, early December, they should go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hopefully, they'll get to, like, play against, like, some, you know, South African fast bowler who's trying to, like, come back into the test team. Like, you know, Olivier or somebody will play, hopefully play for India and... Um, yeah, they should. And but, I mean, unfortunately, that's going to be a two-test series. And uh, that's such a shame because, uh, you know, India and South that's Africa. Like, yeah, That's like that uh, 2014 series. No, it's also two tests. Yeah, I mean, ideally, India and South Africa, I feel, should at least play three. But uh, anyway, yeah, so India don't play test cricket for a while now. So that's also going to be interesting to, you know, when they go to South Africa, who they pick as their uh, bowling attack and when they go and then they England come home which I'm imagining will be largely a spin dominated series uh, so yeah let's uh, let's see how that goes oh no it, no wait 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 we have to we cannot ignore this man it's just like I understand Ashes and all okay India going to West Indies winning their sixth time in West Indies you know only only Australia have beaten West Indies in West Indies more times than India now. Like, they've won, beaten, Australia beaten West Indies in West Indies seven times and India not done it six times. So, that's all momentous. But the most important cricketing event of the month of July is that Jaspreet Bumrah started bowling again. Yeah, oh, okay. I thought you were saying the most important uh, event of this test match, which was, of course, that uh, 81 all-out documentary that West Indies uh, cricket showed in the break of uh, one of the days which is, which is the most important you. part <laughs> they didn't mention this podcast man like how ridiculous is that but uh, anyway uh, glad that Ian Bishop and Kirtley Ambrose wound the clock back to that test match and uh, told the kids these days hashtag kids these days about how it was when uh, India got 81 all out 
anyway on that note thank you for joining the podcast thank you for uh, uh, supporting us we are at uh, 81 all out on twitter 81 all out.com is our website we are on coffee that's k o hyphen f i dot com slash 81 all out thanks a lot to all those who have been contributing there generously and uh, really means a lot to us to have you chip in uh, we also are in the book republishing space the summer game by gideon hay was our latest and i'll put out links to the books that we put out war minus the shooting by mike markasi and cricket beyond the bazaar by mike coward were the other two so we will actually join you in a week or 10 days time hopefully to talk about uh, baseball the ashes and uh, everything in between we will also have other podcasts uh, along the way you know in the next uh, uh, few weeks slash months and uh, you know timeless podcasts talking to people interviews etc etc and uh, yeah uh, thank you and uh, have a good day india have won the series they're going to get back for two india goes one